Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. Blog Talk Radio. Hi, this is Russ Terry, founder and CEO of Life Coach Radio Networks. Today's sponsor is audible.com, a leading provider of spoken audio entertainment and information. Listen to audiobooks whenever and wherever you want. Get a free audiobook when you sign up for a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash lifecoachradio. That's audibletrial.com slash lifecoachradio. And now, here's today's show. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Free the Hamster, a show about career change, transition, and reinvention. Tonight's episode, The Four Stages of Career Reinvention, Part 2. Hi, everybody. I'm your host, Harry Pritchett. And for those of you tuning in for the first time, uh, we covered what I think are some essential ingredients for career reinvention in our last show. And tonight, we're going to dive into the four stages of career reinvention. And to help me go through this is the guest that, well, he's the guest on all my shows and I think will be forever. Rob Battles. Hi, Rob. Harry, is it you? Is it really you, Harry? You've been on hold for the last two weeks waiting for the next show, haven't you? It's, I, I did have a bologna sandwich, so uh, I just ate oh, that slowly. You got oh, the one I sent you in the mail? Day. No, it never came. You promised it, but nothing came. Oh, I'm sorry. It's a pity. So last, the last show we discussed... Um, some of the essential ingredients of career reinvention. And tonight we're going to dive into what I have identified as four crucial stages of career reinvention. And um, as you well know, um, people enter these, this is kind of a structure, but, um, and doesn't pertain to everyone because obviously there's, you know, different people are coming to this process from different places, you know, so the person that's um, sick of their job and can't wait to get out of it versus the person that's just been let go. And um, why don't you, if you're okay with it, describe a little about what you brought, what brought you to this process? Well, what brought me to uh, start the working through your process um, was being um, laid off from a job I've had for a little more than a decade. Mm-hmm. And you and I already had a working relationship and um, you had been working, I'd been relying on you for some coaching counsel for some situations that I had at work. And um, so I knew about your process because you described it to me over time, but I, but I really thought, well, this is a, a great opportunity for me to actually sign up for the trip and um, find out if, um, if it's as good as Harry says it is. And so, 
You know, because I, I really wanted to know, and I was curious. I had worked with coaches in the past. I had had some corporate coaching um, during the uh, 10 years I'd worked at um, my last job, and I'd actually worked with a handful of other coaches um, in addressing some situations and that um, some of the people I worked with, people who reported to me, had. Mm-hmm. So I, I knew what coaching was designed to accomplish, and I had some of the um, feedback from coaches and from my colleagues about what had been effective, what hadn't, and such. Mm-hmm. But, I, you know, I was in a situation that was very much um, described by your ideal client situation. This is, you know, I was I was transitioning out of a career, I, I suspected, and I really wanted to have a structure to rely on to think as clearly as I could about what was coming next. And so what, you, what, your, what the process provided to me was a way to, I think, take advantage of the situation I was in much more fully than I would have otherwise. It, it did helped me to move through certain anxiety I had about it. Mm-hmm. And I will, I will say that, you know, during certain stretches of it, when I felt a certain amount of anxiety, it was very helpful to be reminded that I was in a phase that could easily be misunderstood with wasting time or getting nowhere. Mm-hmm. It was only after, it was only after you had, after we had really, pretty much completed the process, which took a fair amount of time, that I realized I had been through this process without much help pretty much every time I had a, a, a situation like this. And increasingly, as my career went along, as I got older and got more experience. And mm-hmm. at that point, I realized that, that really anybody who finds himself in this situation, and that would be most people, these days, you know, most people do not work for one company for most of their lives. Most people will move from a job uh, to another and will change companies, you know, three or four or many more times in the course of a career. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they're going to go through this and they can go through it um, and take advantage of it and they might even be able to enjoy it or they can go through it the way I tended to, which was. Yeah. Uh, teeth gritting, you know, teeth gritted, and um, not much pleasure. This, you know, this last transition was by far the the most interesting that um, I experienced, and I think it, that was because I had more experience going through it, and also I was guided through it, you know, by you, and I found mm-hmm. that, you know, which is sort of why I'm a fan of your process because I know it works. And that's why I'm able to get you on as my guest every single show. Yeah, pretty much. It's just me and the bologna sandwich for six hours and 20, six <laughs> days and 23 hours. And then we'll talk for another hour. <laughs> so let's dive into um, each stage and we can talk a little about, you know, what resonated with you as we went through these and, uh, and also some of the observations you made now you know, looking back at them. So the four stages are letting go, self-assessment, 
a fresh vision and a new beginning. So we'll start with letting go. So in the last show, we discussed a little bit about the different types of walls that people hit in their careers that might bring them to coaching and the exploration of career reinvention. And so after people experience their wall, whether it's losing a long time job or reaching a point where you can't go on doing what you've been doing, uh, there's a period of loss. And I know you and I go back and forth as to, you know, I I related to the stages of grief. You debate me on that. Uh, But for the purposes of me being right uh, this evening, (laughs) Um, anyway, the, the, the stages of grief are denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. And I want to read something, um, and this relates to the idea, you know, in William Bridges' book, he talks about his first stage of transition is uh, the ending. He believes the ending has to come first. And whether or not you're eager to leave a job uh, behind uh, or not, there, there's a there's a part of you and a part of that work that needs to, you need to say goodbye to in order to move forward. So I want to read an excerpt from William Bridges book transitions. And he writes to become something else. You have to stop being what you are now to start doing things a new way. You have to end the way you are doing them now and to develop a new attitude or outlook You have to let go the old one you have now. And even though it sounds backwards, endings always come first. The task, the first task is to let go. After that, you encounter the neutral zone. That apparently, which you were describing earlier, Rob, the empty in-between time when under the surface of the organizational situation or invisibly inside you, the transformation is going on. Everything feels as though it's up for grabs and you don't know who you are or how you're supposed to behave. So this feels like a meaningless time, but it's a very, very important time. And during your time in the neutral zone, you are receiving signals and cues. And if only you could decipher them and as to what you need to become for the next stage of your work life. And unless you disrupt it by trying to rush through the neutral zone quickly, you are slowly being transformed into the person you need to be to move forward in your life. So that pretty much sums up, you know, the transition stages for William uh, Bridges. And as you well know, I've certainly modeled uh, much of my process around that, that third process, that, that very process. So what are your thoughts after I read that? Well, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting to, um, I think the further along in one's career one has traveled, uh, the harder it is to imagine an ending or letting go because, mm. you know, in my, the first job I ever got in New York um, wasn't a job that I came to New York for. I sort of wandered into it. It was interesting. It wasn't that interesting. It was but it was, um, I was working at ABC, and um, I, it was, you know, I'd show up every day, I'd get paid, I was learning stuff, I wasn't, but I wasn't really paying attention to it. So when I found a, a, a new job in the same company, but very different, 
it was very easy to be done with that. It was very easy to to start the new job. Jump a, jump ahead, uh, you know, th- three or four job changes later. Um, when I was leaving, um, I had a, a perfectly uh, interesting job running a creative services department for a syndicated TV show, and I had decided to start an agency because I thought uh, I thought it'd be interesting, and I was excited at the prospect of doing the work. But it took it really probably took me one year to imagine making this this move, and it was. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was only when I thought about it after, long after the fact that I realized um, that I, I had to give up being somebody who worked for a, sort of a big, stable company, and I had to get comfortable with the notion that I was going to be in a much more entrepreneurial situation. Um, and, and it didn't really dawn on me that it had taken me at least a year. It probably took two years. Because mm-hmm. I had been talking with with a guy that um, that became my partner in the enterprise for at least two years before we did it, and um, right. I, so I th- I think the in, in you know in the, in the most recent transition was really moving into retirement, which I still have a bit of a hard time with the word because. I don't in any way feel like I'm done working and I'm certainly not done accomplishing things, but the career that I had in my last job ended when that job ended. And yeah, well, one of, one of my, one of my goals in this process is to come up with a different word because it's for most people I ask uh, the, the word retirement has very specific connotations. And, And if I may make an observation, um, during your process, our process together. Is, is that all right? Yeah, sure. Um, you know, specifically talking about letting go, I, I know one of the things, even though you were ready to move on to whatever it was, that you were, and I think we talked about this briefly in the last show, you know, you had over the course of many years established a certain structure to your life and in, in its relationship to work and your career. You got up at a certain time, you, you know, you went, you, you were used to certain, uh, you know, you had people under you that you'd manage and you had meetings and all of a sudden, boom, just like that, that was gone. And even kind of, um, you know, discovering that that that's okay you were, I've, you know, I witnessed you as being very uncomfortable in this kind of unstructured world. And, and together we That's created a structure. In fact, I remember we actually created a calendar for the, because in, in reality, and I'm, I've known you a long time, you're a busy guy with lots of interests. So it's not as though, uh, you, you know, you were sitting at your, in, in your lazy boy, uh, at home eating Doritos, although that's a choice. I'm doing it now, Harry. <laughs> Great. You finally reached your goal. It's fantastic, <laughs> let me tell you. And these new Doritos are extra cheesy. <laughs> I bet your hands are good and orange by now. 
It's everything is orange now. The whole house is orange. <laughs> so anyway, the point I'm making is, e- even though you were ready, you were ready, you were ready to say goodbye to that career. Um, you hadn't quite embraced the idea of letting go of the structure that you were part of, the interactions that you were part of, um, you know, people looking up to you, people depending on you in a certain way. That all was just disappeared. Well, what's interesting is I, I quickly forgot how difficult it was because I eventually found myself... Well, I'm sorry, what, what did you find? What was difficult? Oh, uh, the whole thing. The idea that I that I didn't have something I was supposed to do. Mm. I, I, had mm-hmm. had, I had something I was supposed to do. And so I quickly replaced that. As you may recall, I, um, I got into a, a program for entrepreneurs and I, right. and it was run, it was run by the, the uh, New York state employment department and, I went to a lot of seminars and I went to a lot of workshops and, and I was, you know, I set up a consultancy and um, because I was thinking I have to take advantage of, of what I've done to do something new. And Mm -hmm. I really, I, I, I was afraid that I was going to, Squander my reputation and my. You still there, Rob? I'm experiencing static, so I don't know what that is. You want me? Do I need to call you back? I can't. Yes, you did. Ah, well, I don't know what so I said I had before. To, so I had to do some very serious vamping while while <laughs> your, your phone call just went to. So. Well, that's actually what I was saying. I think it was an important <laughs> point. But that's an essential part of the process. That when you that's right, you, you become an alien being. thinking. <laughs> to communicate with the mothership, it's time to beam me up. Right. So I'm not I'm not I'm not sure where I was when I suddenly Well, let let me uh, let me just kind of jump in in terms of, you yeah. know, in terms of this this stage of the process. Again, all of these stages are are dependent on where the individual is. And a a, a lot about the letting go um part of it is 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 a lot of acknowledging. It's kind of opening this stuff up to acknowledge it. I know, you know, when I went through my own career reinvention process, 
um, I had to really get to a point where I had to let go and accept that the industry that I knew was, was gone. And only did I, you know, and, and like the, the stages of grief, when you reach acceptance, can you truly start moving forward? That doesn't mean you go and you don't go back and revisit. Um, so, so I know that that was, that was true for me. And my observation of you was like, Oh, I'm, you know, I'm creating this now. In fact, it, it gives me, it reminds me of a client I worked for, <clears throat> worked with who um, for many, many years was in a very structured environment and really knew um, his workday consisted of a certain structure. And if it didn't go that way, it was the day didn't go well. And through our work together, I mean, he ended up being an entrepreneur um, after being a surgeon for many years. So, you know, man, you know, imagine going to medical school and then being a surgeon, it's like things are very, very structured. So he couldn't, it was, it took quite a while for him to open up to the idea that things could be different. And as we were exploring this, um, he shared with me that his, his best thinking happens when he's riding his bike and but he would only ride his bike if, if, if he felt he deserved it, like at the end of a successful week. And so I pointed out to him that, you know, as he's creating this new business, he's the painter and his, um, you know, canvas is blank and he can paint it any way he likes. So I said, what would it look like if riding your bike was part of your work day? And that completely opened up, um, you know, it started a conversation about thinking of his work day in a completely different way. I think it's very difficult and very important to imagine either notable or substantial changes in your habits. One of the things that I discovered in working with you was, well, well first of all, as you know, We've gotten fairly well down the road when the job opportunity came knocking for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I can summarize what happened, but, but it seemed to me that um, I, had, I, had done, I had made real progress in imagining that there was a, a, a different life ahead, and I was looking for what its components would be. Mm-hmm. And suddenly I was sort of sent back to a different headspace, which was you're going to be in the same industry, you're going to be doing something similar and familiar, and you are now going to pitch that to a prospective client. Mm-hmm. And so I did all that. I, um, I essentially organized a presentation for a return to my industry. And... Well, you know, I'm going to stop you there because I, I, I want you to hold on to that story because I think that, you know, because I remember what that, when that happened. And I think it's actually, I'd like to, I'd like you to tell that story within kind of the, the stage in which it occurred. Okay. Is that okay? Sure. So, so we're moving into the second stage, which is uh, self-assessment. So, 
you can't move forward if you don't know who you are at this moment. What, you know, what are your values at this time in your life? What are your strengths and weaknesses? What skills do you have? What labels have you been given by people and in turn by yourself? What roles have you played? You know, who have you become in relationship to your work? And, um, you know, you and I talked about this a lot. I mean, the, the very act of stopping, getting off the hamster wheel and saying, who am I right now in my life? What's important to me? And I think, you know, a lot of people, certainly a lot of people I speak to are on that wheel. And it's like, I, I need to upgrade my resume. I need to do this profile. But they don't stop and say, hmm, you know, is this fulfilling? Am I enjoying this work? Uh, and, you know, we, all, we can't, always, can't always do that. But to stop and even think about it is, uh, can be really challenging for people. Well, and also it's, it's quite illuminating because by the time you've been at work for 10, 15, 20 years, mm-hmm. there, are, there are clearly things that you're good at that, you're, that are a part of why you're being paid to come to work every day and are a reason for your success. Mm-hmm. You may not be happy at work, but if you're if they're paying you, that means you're doing a good enough job so that somebody wants you to keep doing it. Right. And if I'm not thinking about what it is that that the, the thing that it never occurred to me there was a commonality in all of my work experience, jobs that I liked, jobs that I loved, jobs that I didn't enjoy. There, was, mm-hmm. there were things that I did enjoy in all of them. And I didn't notice that certain experiences had been a part of my work life for the entire time I've been doing it. Different jobs, mm-hmm. different cities, different companies. And the things that I enjoyed were always a part of what, you know, what made me happy to go to work every day. Right. And it was only after after I saw that they the, these themes were always part of what I was looking for at work. And because they meant something to me, I had developed skills and abilities around them. And by now I had a lot of experience doing it. And mm-hmm. but it was only when I when I when I slowed down and started thinking and frankly, started writing mm-hmm. down some of this stuff. And it was, again, one of the reasons I think the co- coaching, your coaching process is, was so helpful was because I wrote stuff down and reviewed it and, it and saw patterns that I would not have seen otherwise. And I thought about things um, from a different perspective. And that that was not something I was going to do on my own. Um, right. But what, but when you directed me to do it, I didn't it really direct you. To, I didn't direct you. You directed yourself. Yes, but when <laughs> you when we focused on values, I, I wasn't going to sit down and think. Okay, so what are these? It was really the exercises that. Yeah. That no, and, and a values exercise, a values assessment is, you know, it's it's a pretty it's a pretty common coaching tool, but it's one that 
provides an incredible launching pad uh, for conversation. And I mean, the more there's more aha moments in values assessment. I'll, I'll give you a, a good example, and I'm sure I've shared this with you. Um, a client of mine who, you know, basically you're, you pick your five top values, the, the things that really are important to you in this moment of your life, the things that really make you tick. And one of hers was family. And yet, admittedly, she was spending no time with her family. She was, you know, it was one toxic job after another. And um, it made her stop and think, oh, wow, you know, um, and, and which then posed the question, you know, so what needs to shift in order for you to honor that value? And, you know, because I asked, so from scale from one to 10, 10 being the highest, how is that, you know, how is family showing up in your life? And I think she said like two. And so I said, you know, so what, you know, what would it take for you to bring that to a three or a four? And immediately, well, you know, I need to stop working as many hours, you know, so then that, that brings up another discussion. So it really is an extraordinary tool um, to, to launch uh, dialogue. Yeah, there, there are two components, and I think they're worth calling out. The first is, is writing it down, because for me, writing something down is sort of being in dialogue with myself. The mm-hmm. second is ha- having someone to talk about it with. Yeah. I do not think clearly unless I am in, in a conversation with somebody who's sort of paying attention mm-hmm. and help, helping me I'm think. I'm sorry, what? Writing it down. And I, I, I don't think clearly unless I'm in conversation with someone who is helping me be clear, yeah. you know, by saying, what do you mean by that? Or I don't understand because it's when I can describe it that I have a better idea of what's really going on. Well, you're really so describing, I, yeah, you're describing really so much of the coaching process because, you know, the coach's job, my understanding of it is to really to get clarification, uh, be more, you know, so in other words, you know, this one comes up a lot. People say, yeah, well, I want to be more successful. And so I ask them, well, what does that look like to you? Because everyone's definition of success is, you know, it's different. And that's true with a lot of things. So the very act of having them stop and say, oh, yeah, what is success? Somebody, it's money. Some people, it's time with their family. Some people, it's both. Some, you know, and to really get focus on that then leads to even more um, uh, discovery. And there's another thing I experienced in, in that realm, which was th- there were things that I had done that were part of my job that I thought, okay, this is something I can do and I can be paid for it. But when I thought about whether I wanted to do it, if there was some version of it, you know, and it was, it was, do I want to be a uh, sort of a consultant to some of the people with whom I've worked in the past? I said there was some interest. I was sort of interested in and enjoyed it, and some of the some of the people who I worked with were interested in it. But I also thought about, well, what would it be like to be talking to people earlier in their careers 
mm. who who don't have as much responsibility and experience, but who are really looking for sort of guidance and encouragement and a sounding board. And right. it occurred to me that the second was much more interesting to me than the first. Mm-hmm. The second felt like something new. It felt like something new that I would do with my experience that I hadn't done before, but it was just as interesting as work in my, you know, the thought of it was more interesting to me than staying in a more familiar space and sort of attending to an industry that I had a lot of, you know, that I knew a lot about. Right. Uh, but it was only thinking about what I enjoyed about all of my work and what I wasn't so interested in doing anymore because I thought about it and we talked about it and I've written some things down about it that I, I realized, oh, this, there is a, a new direction for, that I could follow that um, is not familiar to me, but that feels at least as ex- more, really more exciting than, than what I've been doing most recently. Right. And, and, and a lot of that discovery I observed came from this, this kind of place of, of, of self-assessment of saying, okay. And, and in fact, it's something that I do with a lot of clients that I discovered with one of my very first clients. And that is creating what I call a personal contract for, for yourself moving forward. So mm-hmm. over the course of the process, um, I compile all of Passions, uh, strengths, and weaknesses, so that you know it, it came about because this one particular client just had a habit of taking one job after the other without really stopping and thinking, you know, what's important to me besides money and you know the practical stuff. It's like, what kind of environment do I want to be working with? What kind of team do I want to be working with? Um, how long do I want my commute to be? So from the practical to the you know the inner needs. And um, because, you know, a lot of people are just happy to get a job. And then what, what I've witnessed is three, four months later, they're, they're like, oh, my gosh, here I go again. I think it's I do not think it comes naturally to my generation. Maybe it maybe it's something that I mean, I witnessed my adult daughters seem to be better at. Uh, putting themselves somewhere near the top of the priorities list, but my experience was always <laughs> let's let's figure out what either the company or the boss needs and let's mm. do that. It, mm-hmm. And and I didn't spend a lot of time thinking about what's going to make this the most interesting day of work for me. Um, and and I, I think. The people who take the time to reflect upon that, reflect upon what they want, and whether it's reasonable, um, are are more likely to find a, find a job that they won't have that experience you described, where mm-hmm. it's three or three or six months into it, and it's like, oh my God, I'm I'm back in a situation I was trying to get out of. Right. And there, I think it's you. One's much more likely by thinking about what you want and thinking about it deeply and being committed to it. And that, co- that personal contract is a fantastic way of reminding yourself what your, what, what's important to you, what you, 
Because if you don't really like a lot of the components of your day-to-day -day work experience, you're not going to have a good time and you're not going to do a good job. And if, well, if it's, you know, you bring up... You bring up something um, that I've witnessed uh, with a bunch of people. And, you know, one of the questions that I ask a lot of prospective clients is, so if money were no object, you know, what, what would you be doing with yourself? And before you know it, they're putting so many obstacles in their way that they just say, no, oh, forget it. You know, what's the point? I can't do that. So, what you, you know, what I'm hearing you say is the, the idea of stopping and asking for what I want but also because all you're doing is stopping and exploring, you know, you may, you may not get there, but stopping and exploring, you know, what would it be like to take one step towards that? Because I cannot tell you how many times people say, well, what I'd really like to be doing is a, B and C, but I can't because of this, 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 and this. So, you know, without even taking the smallest of steps to explore, what would it be like? You know? I think all one has to do is look around to see who is doing a job that I might want to be doing. Mm -hmm. Because as often as not, you see who's doing it and you think, oh my gosh, I could do a better job than that. Or, you know, I, I, want, I want to be doing that. But the idea that, but, but of course I can't because I'm too invested in, uh, in what I've been doing and I can't afford to make a change. It's too risky. Right. Um, and as, and you, as you described it, I think you, you, know, you refer to it as your gremlin. Uh, right. I have gotten very good at noticing when my gremlin has joined the conversation because my gremlin is interested in shutting it down and uh, preventing me from moving forward. And I'm not going to get very far if I don't move a little bit off the map and if I don't try some things I've never done before. And I've gotten in the habit of, uh, which I really, I, I owe this to you, when I figure out what it is I, I want to do next, I, I decide that I won't know if I, if I can do it until I've tried, and it doesn't matter if it seems like the end goal is unlikely. Mm -hmm. um, I'd much rather give it a try and discover that I'm not going to succeed than just assume uh, I won't succeed. Because we, we, we all have friends who are we have a range of friends and some people succeeded and it's like, oh, I, I sort of can't believe you decided to do that and you've made a go of it. It's like, mm -hmm. it's because they wouldn't be stopped. They were, they were going to try and do it. I do think that success isn't as hard as I think it is. I think success is, is um, it's sometimes luck and it's sometimes timing, but often it's simply persistence. Whatever your and, definition of success is. Yeah. Um, but if you're, if I spend a lot of time paying attention to and heeding the advice of my gremlin, um, I'm, I'm going to pretty much spend a lot of time regretting what I didn't try. 
Right. And And ultimately, it's up to us to decide how loud a voice we want to give that gremlin. I mean, first of all, it's acknowledging it. I mean, as you know, the gremlin work that I that I do is actually finding something that represents your gremlin so you can keep it close by and not pretend that it's not there. You know, to say, oh, yeah, that's that voice inside of me that says I'm not good enough. Well, how true is that? And and then, you know, and then you, you can decide how, how loud you want to give that voice. Then you can go back through your history and say, how true is that? Well, it's not true because I did this, this, and this. All right, I need to put you on pause just for a moment to do my mid-show plug, so hang in there. All right. So I want to mention um, upcoming show, Undivided, with your host, Frank Maduri, February 20th, live, live at 7 p.m., Undivided is a series focused on breaking down the societal divisions that keep us apart and focused on unity as well as peace. The 40th episode will be a special edition where the prior guests from episodes 21 through the most recent episodes will return to catch up with the audience. That's Undivided, hosted by Frank Maduri, February 20th, live at 7 p.m. Eastern. Be sure to tune in for that. Now we return to... Free the Hamster in Progress. I'm your host, Harry Pritchett, along with my very special guest, Rob Battles. And we're um, in the middle of talking hamster, about... Rob Battles. Yes, yes. So we are in the middle of talking about what I think are four essential stages of career reinvention. And so far, we've talked about letting go and self-assessment, uh, which brings us to number three, unless, of course, there's anything you want to add to um, the last one, Rob. No, let's let's move along to the third. The third, which is a fresh vision. Now, so it's time, a fresh vision. It's time to set the obstacles aside and ask yourself the question: What do I want to do? And if you could do anything you wanted, as I mentioned earlier, what would that look like? What would a perfect day be like? What kind of people would you like to work with? What brings you joy? What are your passions? How do you want to spend your time? Can you actually make some money doing something you love to do? So this is the time for exploration. And um, in the words of Oscar Wilde, be you. Everyone else is taken already or everyone <laughs> else is already taken. Um, so, you know, this I had you put your story on hold only because this that your story is part of, I believe, this stage. It's about venturing off and dipping your toe and making discoveries. So you were exploring the possibility of uh, kind of a job similar to the one you, you've, you've had in the past. Um, so tell, tell, us the, uh, tell, us, tell us your story. The, I'd, I'd run a creative group. And um, when that job was eliminated, I assumed, well, that's, that's the end of the career. It didn't come as a particular surprise. Um, I'd been thinking about it a little bit for you know maybe a year or so, and uh, it was still shocking. But I um, but I accepted it over time, and I sort of got busy trying to identify a new direction to pursue. A uh, a job opportunity developed and I had a very interesting experience through it because 
And you know it very well because you were basically talking me off the ledge on a regular basis mm-hmm. as I considered this. You know, mm-hmm. my, my, first res- my first response to this inquiry as to whether I was interested in talking about this new job, my first reaction was something that was sort of my historical response, which was, how can I trick this guy into thinking he should hire me for the job? Mm. And, I and spent- why? Why would you be trying to trick him? The idea that uh, because the notion that um, I would be qualified to do yeah, this. Yeah, so your gremlin, your gremlin was. Yeah. Was, yeah. Immediately, the gremlin was saying, "You're not going to get this job based on your merits. It's you're going to have to trick." And it was. It was only. I only spent a few hours, I think, in that state, and I'm sure we had a conversation. At which point, I I realized, wait a minute. I didn't call him. He called me. And mm-hmm. furthermore, he wouldn't like. Uh, he knows I know how to do this because this is the kind of work I've done in the past. And I was in the extremely luxurious position of not needing the job. I was interested in it because right. I like the work. And so I so I started down the road of pursuing the opportunity. And it, I sort of had to put, a, put the work I was pursuing and the, the explorations I was making on hold because I thought, okay, it's time, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go get back into a familiar harness and I'm going to go do this and, it's, and it'll be a sort of a, a great last job in the career. Mm-hmm. And to, to make a long story less long, I um, I wound up putting together a presentation, and I was and in the course of doing that, I realized that I actually knew what I was doing, and it was indisputable to me. Now I've been paid to do this kind of work for a long time, and I had a great job, and I had the you know the support of the people I worked for and such, and the people who reported to me fairly uniformly reported being happy doing so. I was able to retain you know, good people. But I had never really believed at my core that I knew what I was doing. Putting together the presentation proved to me that I did know what I was doing. I was, I was very satisfied with uh, the end product and then the best thing that could have happened occurred, which was I made the presentation, and the and the guy who was I was talking to about the job started treating me as if I sort of had the job, and he started telling me how I needed to change the presentation to please his boss, and I realized that I didn't that was not of any interest to me. I knew what was interesting to me about the job, and I had talked myself into believing that the job was going to be what I wanted it to be. Right. When he started describing what was next, I realized that I wasn't interested in the job and that I, yeah. and, and that I was done doing that work because I knew what it was that I did want to do. Mm-hmm. And it felt like it was, you know, it was a little bit, it was a little embarrassing to explain to people 
that um, I wasn't in pursuit of the job anymore because I had been pretty excited about it. But I was excited about something that didn't exist. And when I found out what the job was, it was like, yeah, I've done this, and I don't right. need to do it anymore. Right. And but it, but the the big gift of the experience was. I knew how to. I knew that I knew how to do it. I knew what my skill sets were, and I didn't have to wonder about that anymore. It's, it's a shame it took me until the end of my career to get clear on it. But well, I was better great. late I than never. And you, you know, the other, the yeah. other thing is what I'm hearing is the way, you know, during the process you were able to really identify. Going going back to what we were talking about in terms of likes and dislikes what brings you joy, you were able to think about the things, you know, and, and experience the things that you enjoyed about the work. And then to be able to really acknowledge, oh, this isn't the job that I thought it was and what was originally described to me and what is being described to me, I don't want that job. Right. And I think a lot of people, my experience is a lot of people just kind of gloss over that because the fear of of losing the opportunity um instead of seeing the other opportunity it's like i don't really want to do this let me go let me take some more time and it may it may be you know there may be some hardship but let me take some time because the other something i want to do is out there we need to jump into i just realized the time here um, is there anything you want to, wanted to add? I, I cut you off there. Well, the, I do think, I think you're getting to something which I, which I believe is a critical component for uh, success on your terms with work, which is if you know what it is you want to do and, you have, and you're reasonably good at it, it's, it is the best thing in the world. When I was a hiring manager, and I was a hiring manager for most of my career, my job was to hire people, and I had been trained how to do it well. And you wanted to find somebody who wanted to do exactly the job that you needed done. So if I know what I want to do, and, and the process that you're describing results in my knowing what I want to do, knowing mm-hmm. what I'm good at, knowing what I'm good at that I can get paid for, knowing what I need my experience to be so that I'll enjoy it. Once I know what that is, my job is to find the person who needs that done and as succinctly as possible, let them know who I am. Mm-hmm. Because the greatest thing in the world would would be when somebody would show up for an open position and they, they really wanted to do the job and they could prove it. They, they didn't just want a job. They wanted to solve the problems I needed solved. And they wanted to sort of, you know, run the creative team or fulfill the role that was open. Right. And as soon as they were describing what it was they wanted to do, not asking me what I needed them to do, but telling me what they wanted to do, I, I knew I had a finalist. Yeah. And it's because well, they, you know, knew, what it's you're, they knew what they wanted to do. What you're describing, too, uh, 
is applicable to people that are on their own individual journey too, which which is a perfect transition into the last phase, which is a new beginning. You know, because only you can really only until you know what you want to do, or you have a very good sense of what direction you want to go in. Uh, you know, we have a little technical difficulties. I'm not hearing you. From you can't hear me. Oh, there you are. Oh. Um, you know, for me, for an example, you know, when I kind of was on my journey and close to a year into it that I discovered the coaching thing and I was like, hmm, that really resonates. And the more I, you know, researched it and then I got to a point where I was like, that's it. That's what I want to do. And that, only that is the new beginning. And then from there, then you got to go out and make it happen. So, you know, although there's these four stages, it sounds like, you know, I don't want people to lead, lead people to believe that it's like, Oh, after these four stages, you'll have a job. And, you know, it's really a new beginning, which is why it's called the the new new beginning beginning is based in two things. It's based in the reality of what my skills are, my interests are, my experiences as it pertains to the working world and it's what I know about myself and what I want to be doing. Right. The, the, easy, the easiest sale you'll ever make is telling somebody who needs a problem solved that you woke up this morning hoping to be asked to solve that problem. Mm-hmm. It, you know, the, the – the problem I always had as a, as a hiring manager was finding the, the people who wanted to solve my problems, who wanted to do what I needed done. You know, people would, reply, would respond to open job situations. But the, the best thing anyone can do is to talk to people who are doing what they're interested in, learn about it, and make sure that those people know that that's something you want to be doing. Yeah. Because, and it's, you know, networking is something that I always looked at askance. And, and yet, and over the course of time, I discovered there were the people I enjoyed working with had become my network. And they were, the, they were the people who I could rely on to help me solve problems or help me find people. And, they wanted to get done what I needed done. And it's because they had let me know who they are. Right. And so once you go through this process, it's, you have to remember that the, the people that you want to be working with, the people who you want to be your boss, need to know who you are and need to know what you want to do. And you're not asking, they're not doing you a favor by making time to talk to you about what they do and what they need. They're, they're doing what they need to do as good managers. So right. any, anybody who's, who's trying to get more information about what it is they want to do and where they can do it is cooperating with you know, their, their future employers. Mm-hmm. Good stuff, Rob. And believe it or not, we're out of time. Well, I'll be sitting here for another... Six days and 23 hours, Harry. Actually, it's longer. It's two weeks, but I'm going to put you on hold until then. So uh, <laughs> dig into that baloney, and uh, it's delicious. I look forward to chatting you with you later.
Thanks, Harry. Thanks, Rob. That's all the time we have. Um, if you're interested in finding out more about the work that I do, uh, check me out online at www.harrypritchett.com, H-A-R-R-Y-P-R-I-C-H-E-T-T.com, or send me an email at hp at harrypritchett.com. You've been listening to Free the Hamster with my wonderful host, my wonderful host, my co-host, my guest, Rob Battles. I'm Harry Pritchett. If you've enjoyed tonight's show, there will be more. My next show will be on Thursday, February 21st at 7 p.m. And once again, I'll leave you with these words from William Bridges. What is standing backstage in the wings of your life waiting to make its entrance? Good night, everyone. Thank you.